Hello, 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 the Naked Novelist is back. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. I hope you're gonna sit back and relax. I'll read you from my novel. It's sexy and a little bit dark. I hope you're going to enjoy it. And we might get interrupted if my dog decides to bark. The Naked Novelist, here we go. Yeah, I think it might be time for a real a real theme song. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in negotiations with uh, Celine Dion, Jack White from the White Stripes, uh, Justin Bieber, the Biebs. They're all clamoring. I know, it's kind of weird, three different... And uh, Alana Morissette, you know, she hasn't done much lately that I'm aware of. But uh, I know that she's interested as well. So, yeah, we don't know who's going to end up doing it. But it's going to be exciting. So, welcome back. Um... Uh, it's Valentine's Day here. Well, you know what? It's Valentine's Day everywhere. Um, unless you're in Australia, and then I think it's already the 15th. Right? No. It's later. It's earlier. God, I'm bad at that. Anyway, um, chapter 13 today is uh, picking up where we left off. If you're new to The Naked Novelist, please go back and listen in order because I am reading my book called The Playgroup, which was published in 2000. I don't even remember anymore. When was it published? 2001? Is that possible? I don't know. It's been a long time now. Um, but uh, so read it, listen in order so you can hear the book in order and we are going to begin this week with The Playgroup by Nelsie Spencer. Read by Nelsie Spencer, Chapter 13. They had llamas? Peter asked Ellie as he opened up the sofa bed. Llamas at a three-year-old's birthday party. A llama, only one, but two goats, a lamb, a bunny, and a pot-bellied pig. She grabbed a chenille throw pillow and plopped down on the now-open sofa bed. Sounds like they brought in the entire children's zoo from Central Park. They did. Listen to this. Missy said that Marie Claire's family is on the board there or something and has do donated a shitload of money to them. So there's a big plaque somewhere with their name on it. So now, whenever they want a to entertain a little Camille... They just make a phone call and poof, an entire menagerie is delivered wherever they ask. Turning the page, you would think it would be easy. It's not. You're kidding. Peter was looking a bit dazed. Well, I'm exaggerating a little, but I think they must have a lot of clout. I mean, you should have seen this. They come back into the party after having yet another psyche-shattering conversation with my mother and... I thought your mother left. Peter had settled into the easy chair. She did, thank God. I was sending her off to the airport. Anyway, I come back in, and they laid down a big sheet of AstroTurf in the gym and lined up all the children along one side, like 
magic, circus music starts playing and this llama enters through the side door, followed by two goats and a lamb and this round pig trotting in last. The kids went nuts. Jesus Christ, this is unbelievable. He grabbed a throw pillow from the floor and hugged it to his chest. It is. And as I was watching the llama take a shit right in front of me, I was calculating what it must have cost them. Between renting the space and the staff, the animals, about a hundred sunflowers, not to mention the party favors, it was probably over... Party favors? Oh, basically, it's how you get the kids to leave the party. What do you mean? They're out of control. Arlene always says giving sugar to a three-year-old is like pouring kerosene on a raging fire. And she's right. They'd had cake and pinata candy and there was a pinata. I'm telling you, I've never. By the end, half of them are having meltdowns because it's nap time. They're all trying to climb out the gym, climb on the gymnastics equipment, which has supposedly been put away. At one point, as Mason and Annika headed back to the trampoline, screaming at the top of their lungs, Missy and I just looked at each other and shrugged our shoulders. Then Marie Claire claps her hands and says, Whoever has their shoes on and is in their stroller gets a party fever. So all the kids, like little angels, scramble to scramble to get ready so they can collect their collect their booty. So you're telling me that the parents who are throwing this elaborate party also have to shell out money for a gift for every kid there? When I was little, it was maybe silly putty and, and, and some good and plenty, something like that. But not on the east side of Manhattan. What was it? Season tickets to the Knicks? <laughs> How did you guess? The boys get season tickets and the girls got a week at Canyon Ranch. Really, tell me. I, I'm on the edge of my seat. Me too, she said, jumping off the sofa bed and sprinting into the foyer. After Marie Claire gave Annika hers, she wouldn't let me even look at it. Ellie grabbed a miniature straw tote off the handle of the double stroller, ran back into the living room, and jumped on the sofa bed. How cute is this? she asked, holding up the bag. All the girls got these, and the boys got miniature vintage lassie lunch boxes. Anything in it? Let's see, she said, slowly unsnapping the tote and peering in, half expecting to see a Tiffany box. She pulled out a small gift, wrapped in a hanky and tied with a pink grogan ribbon. Oh my God, look at this. She tossed the gift to Peter as if it were a bomb about to go off. It's so perfect, I can't stand it. She was up, pacing. It has Annika embroidered on it, Peter said, examining the gift. You're kidding. She stopped, snatched the gift from him, gave it a once-over and threw it on the sofa bed. Forget it. I give up. I can't compete with this, she said, gesturing to the box. What are you planning for Annika's party? I don't know. I, I don't know. She was yelling at him, but suddenly I feel like I have to get David Copperfield on the phone and find out if he does parties for three-year-olds. Honey, you're shouting. Sorry, she whispered as she sat down on the arm of the chair. And then I wonder where to have it. If we have it here, surely we need to get the place painted and get some window treatments up. This whole Park Avenue playgroup thing is warping my mind. I mean, phrases like window treatments are popping out of my mouth. No, 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 we can't. I know, you're right, Ellie said, cutting him off. 
She shook her head and took a deep breath. <sighs> I mean, these women are nuts. I don't mind being a mother. In fact, I love it. But I think there's something a little nutty and obsessive about spending months planning your three-year-old's birthday party. Look at this. She picked the gift up and studied it. Do you know the man-hours involved in wrapping 12 perfect little packages like this? Of course, Marie Claire has a live-in nanny and a personal assistant, so it's a piece of cake for her. Do you want those things? The ever-calm Peter asked. Because we can afford those things, you know. No, no, I have other things to do. I, I have a TV show to write, for instance. She headed for her desk and turned on her computer. What are you doing? Well, I, I've got that February deadline, and at this point, I, have written, I haven't written a word. I'm spending all my free time worrying about a birthday party that's months away. She booted up her computer. Peter retrieved the mal maligned gift from the rumpled sheets and began untying the bow. Aren't you even curious about what this is? No, I'm frightened by it, to tell you the truth. Voyage to the Bunny Planet. What? Ellie whipped around in her office chair to face Peter. He was holding a shiny, deep blue box, just like the one Ellie had purchased at Barnes & Noble earlier in the day. Oh, no. No. It can't be. I don't believe it. Ellie was at Peter's side, staring in horror at Annika's party favor. I'm so humiliated. This is my worst nightmare come true. What? Peter stood up and shook the box at her. Ellie, would you please tell me what the fuck is such a big deal about this stupid thing? She took the box from him. This stupid thing, this sweet, elaborately wrapped present, is the exact same thing that I gave to Camille for her birthday present. You're kidding. He seemed to be suppressing a smile. I'm not. She shook her head and looked at her smirking husband, then started to chuckle. <laughs> Talk about your faux pas. Well, looks like you and Frenchie have the same tastes, right? He tackled her, and the two of them landed on the sofa bed laughing. <laughs> How did I get such a fabulous husband? She asked, kissing him. You don't think I'm a loser, do you? I think you are the sexiest mom on the planet. He kissed her and wrapped his legs around her. So, we agree that if we have a party in the, the city, and I mean if, it should be simple. We can just have it here, something appropriate for a three-year-old, like cake, presents, pin the tail on the donkey, don't you think? No, no, we can't have it here. First of all, we don't have enough room. Second of all, the kids will trash the new rug. So what are you saying? We rent out the felt forum and see if Barney's available? What's, what's your name doing for what's-his-name's party? Honey, you have to be a little more specific than that. You know who I mean, Missy. What's she planning for a mason jar? I really don't know what she's planning, but you can be sure it won't include Pin the Tail and the Donkey. She knows all the ins and outs because she's already been through it with Harper, Mason's big sister. You know, Missy, she's ready to take me under her wing and plan Annika's whole party for me. Good. You two plan it together. I'm glad she can show you the ropes. Peter, you're kidding, right? You don't want to try to do some expensive and extravagant party, do you? Well, why not? He said, sitting up. 
not going to let these east side lawyers and investment bankers make me look bad. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that I make as much money as those east side fucks, and we can throw just as fancy a party as they can. I've got it, she said, trying to sound playful. We'll lie. Since Annika's birthday is in June, we'll just say that we're going to celebrate it in Spain, at our summer home, like always. You think this is a joke? He stopped and turned to her. This isn't a joke. It's a competitive world out there, and I'm going to make sure that our kids can win in every situation. Do you think this overblown expensive birthday party that I just went to is going to make little Camille more competitive? I don't really care about little Camille. Peter, look, that sounded wrong. All I'm saying is let Frenchie and her bow-tied husband worry about Camille. My job is to worry about my kids. And I'm, going to th- I'm not going to throw some loser party for my daughter and let everybody think that we're a bunch of loser bohemians. Ellie stopped breathing. The room around her faded to nothing but a blur. That's what he really thinks of me, she thought, horrified. He thinks I'm this loser bohemian that he rescued from my pathetic little showbiz career, and I'd be nothing without him. Slowly and carefully, she got up off the sofa bed and headed out of the living room. Where are you going? Your loser bohemian wife is going to bed. No, Ellie, honey, you misunderstood me. She kept walking. Wait, we have to figure out this party thing. Peter, Annika's birthday is six months away. We planned our wedding in seven weeks. What is the matter with you? She stood in the doorway shaking. Now there's something wrong with me that I want my daughter to have a nice birthday? No, you want to use her birthday to show all these shallow east side assholes that you are just as shallow as they are. Is that what you think of Missy, your new buddy, that she's shallow? No, Peter. God, you are missing the point. Forget it. She turned to go. I'm missing the point? You are so busy rebelling against what your mother wants you to do that you don't have any idea what you want to do. You don't want Annika to have a nice fancy party because it would make your mother happy. And you couldn't stand that, could you? Peter, I... No, don't answer, Al. Just think about it. For once, don't give me an answer. For once. Could you just think about it? Ellie's self-righteousness and conviction drained out of her in an instant. How many of her actions through the years had been reactions to what her mother had wanted her to do. Wait a minute, she thought. I dealt with that in therapy about a million times. I'm pretty sure I stopped doing that a while ago. I mean, I married Peter, didn't I? And he was her dream man for me, a nice wasp guy with an MBA from Wharton. No, she decided, this is not about that. Maybe you're right, she said, hating him. Maybe this is all some big rebellion against my mother. I'll have to think about that. In the meantime, why don't you call up my mother and Missy and the three of you can plan whatever you want for Annika's party. Maybe a dinner dance on the QE2 or perhaps a Cirque du Soleil is available that week. I'm going to bed. Elle, don't, he tried to respond. She slammed the hallway door behind her. Ellie's mind raced with the clever and sarcastic things she could say to Peter as she tried in vain to sleep. All the while, she hoped he would come into the bedroom 
and apologize for his lapse of sanity. He'll stroke my hair, she fantasized, and suggest that we withdraw Annika from the playgroup. Then we'll move upstate to escape the empty materialism of the city. We'll live in a commune where the children can run naked on the ramshackle farm and play with handmade toys. Okay, maybe a commune is a bit much. I know I'd be miserable living out of the city where I couldn't get good Indian food or a decent bagel. She waited. The door didn't move. Surely he would come in and, and they would make up. Is he sleeping? How can he sleep when we're fighting? They had never gone to bed mad at each other. She thought she heard footsteps in the hall. No. He's probably up out there snoring up a storm. What a bastard. She closed her eyes and started to recite the twelve steps of Overeaters Anonymous in her head, her version of counting sleep. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. No door. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yep, I'm sure he's asleep. Damn him! Made a decision to turn will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Still no door. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Fuck this, she said, throwing off the covers. She climbed over Angus and Annika, tucked them in, then stomped into the living room. I hate that playgroup, she announced as she turned on the lights. What? He rolled over and squinted up at her. I hate that fucking playgroup. I wish you'd never heard of the stupid place. Why? I thought... If it weren't for them, we'd be having sex right now instead of sleeping in separate rooms. Honey, I, I hate fighting with you, too. He reached up for her. And how can you sleep when we're fighting? She climbed into his arms. You're cold-hearted. He kissed her sleepily, reached between her legs, and gave her pubic hair a sweet stroke. Mmm, escaped his lips without warning. Damn him, she thought. I'm dying for some of this, he said cupping her crotch with his hand. Her hips reached for him without her approval. He kissed her again, squeezing her tight. His pectoral muscles, hard and round, pressed against her. She was torn between wanting him and wanting to rehash their conversation. Surely he couldn't have been serious, she told herself. She bit his chest and held him close. Oh, God, he moaned. I love making love to you. Do you want me to eat you? He asked, kissing her again. No, I want you inside me now. She wanted him inside her quick to make sure that he was still her Peter. She needed to know that she still had him, owned him. She climbed on, she climbed on top of, he climbed on top of her. She guided him in. He felt so good, so familiar, so cozy. She wrapped her legs around him and pulled him in. I love this man so much, God. Don't you dare let him turn out to be an asshole. I couldn't survive it. They fucked slow and deep, as images of the day flashed through her mind, her mother waving from the cab window, Angus nursing and content, Missy's tall perfection, llamas, goats, and pot-bellied pigs parading around the gym, a blissful fo floating Annika waving from above the trampoline. As Peter came inside her, she dug her fingernails into his biceps, not fueled by passion, but by fear and desperation.
Well, there you have it. That is chapter 13. And hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, please email me at thenakednovelist9 at gmail.com. And I want you to notice how I created tension and sort of a fight kind of came out of nowhere, which hopefully what I'm showing you is Ellie sort of losing her way, Ellie maybe overreacting, maybe not, right? Some people might read that and think she's overreacting. Other people might read that and think Peter's being a jerk. I don't really know, um, but creating a chink in their armor, creating... Um, Trouble in Paradise is important to move the story forward, to get Ellie deeper and deeper into um, trouble in a way. So beyond that, a little bit of sex there. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so that's it. I'm done. Please subscribe rate, subscribe, post it on social media, tell your friends and family, your mailman, um, your manicurist, and um, come back next week. All right. Love ya. Later. Oh, this is the Naked Novelist signing off. If you are working on something, look at your week, plan your schedule, love yourself, and honor that story you have to tell. Remember, where would we be if Shakespeare had said, maybe I'll just journal? Radio professor, love you later, lunch.